0: click on the big red button and attend a free webinar on the secret to starting your ideal partnership today. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. I'm super excited to bring you today's featured guest, Christine Hasler. Christine, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, I'm happy to be here.
0: It's great to have you here. Now, for those of you who may not know Christine, let me give you a little background. Christine Hasler, she left a successful job as a Hollywood agent to pursue a life she could be passionate about. And she is now the best-selling author of three books. The most recent book is Expectation Hangover, Free Yourself from Your Past, Change Your Present, and Get What You Really Want. Now for over a decade, Christine has been a keynote speaker, a retreat facilitator, a spiritual psychologist, life coach, and host of the top-rated podcast, Over It and On With It. She's been teaching and inspiring people around the world through her podcast and all these other avenues. She believes once we get out of our own way, we can show up to make the meaningful impact we're here to make. Christine, I love what you've been up to, but give us an idea of how did you get started here? Because obviously, like you said in your intro, you were were a Hollywood agent.
1: Oh gosh. Sometimes I wish I had like a recorded version of that and I could just be like, here you go. Um, (laughs) cause it's such like old news. Um, I'll give the short version and if people want the longer version, there's, there's places you can go to listen to it, but it's basically, I, I lived my life up until, my mid-20s when I really, really got invested in personal growth, looking for something outside of me to make me feel better about myself, which, gosh, how many other human beings do that? Almost everybody. And I was trying to fulfill childhood wounds by achieving things externally, thinking, you know, someday I'm going to like myself. Someday I'm going to feel enough. Someday I'm not going to feel broken. I come from a past. There's bullying, teasing, abuse, um, being diagnosed with depression when I was 11. So I formed a lot of stories about being broken, not fitting in, people not liking me. And I compensated for all those by being an extreme overachiever, which is what ultimately led me to Hollywood. Because Mm -hmm. if you're desperately insecure with something to prove, Hollywood's a great place to go play that out. And um, my my insecurity um, really drove me as well. You know, I was incredibly hard on myself, fierce inner critic, which led to a lot of success. You know, uh, and that's that's true for a lot of people too. Like people that are incredibly hard on themselves use that as motivation to go and succeed at things, to achieve goals. And so by 25, I was um, the youngest female agent in my company, and was living this Hollywood life with the Oscars and the Golden Globes and all the things. And I still wasn't happy. And I was like, geez, wow. Like even like money and access to all this power and fame, like that still isn't making me feel better about myself. So I ended up resigning from my job and that kind of started my perfect storm of being dumped by my fiance six months before my wedding, going into debt, being diagnosed with a lot of health conditions on top of depression and anxiety that I was still dealing with. Being estranged from my family, and then having this whole identity crisis because my whole life had been defined by what I did. And since I didn't have a big fancy job anymore, I felt very lost. And um, all of that came crashing down around me. And that led to, like, I wouldn't call it an awakening. It wasn't like, you know, angels came or there was this profound spiritual moment. It was more of an aha moment of, I'm the common denominator in all of these circumstances. And I had sort of dabbled in personal development, you know, by then, but I hadn't really jumped all in. And that's when I made the decision to jump all in and to really learn how to heal myself, how to change my life, how to free myself from so many of both the ailments and belief systems that had been plaguing me. And that that totally redirected me into personal development and it worked so well for me that that became my career
0: fantastic well i love that you were you know an overachiever in your career and everything and then you became an overachiever in trainwreck
1: yeah exactly yeah <laughs> like, i really you didn't just I really do a little bit it well. you did
0: it everywhere
1: i really did it well i was very comprehensive
0: yes yes and I'm sorry you didn't get the angel and heart package on the uh, Epiphany. That's that's okay though. It's it's not all it's banged up to be. I, trust me.
1: I just... know. I know. When my soul was coming into this lifetime, it's like, why did you choose like the crying on your bathroom floor route instead of the like, you know, seeing white light and angels singing route? But you know, this was the way I needed to learn.
0: Yeah, you know, that's the choices we make. That's awesome. <laughs> so I I love what you were sharing and and you know where you're at now and helping people with this and and. Here on the show about partnership, we, we like to figure out, you know, what helps you with partnership because, you know, a lot of us are like lone wolves. We think we've yeah. got to do it all ourselves and that's how we prove our worth. And mm. I certainly was. That's part of the reason why I created this show because obviously doing interviews, I can't do them by myself. So I have to partner. And I'm wondering for you, Christine, what, what do you find to be kind of your touchstone or guiding principle or mantra? What's that thing you always come back to if you ever notice you're kind of off in the weeds around partnership?
1: That I'm off in the weeds inside myself. So my my external relationships are always a reflection of what's going on inside of me. Mm-hmm. And they're always a mirror of either something that I need to look at inside myself or they're a trigger to something or someone from my past that I need to go back and clean up. So I have found that partnerships, be it business, friendship, or romantic. Romantic have probably been my biggest spiritual teachers. Mm -hmm. Um, That's always been a direct correlation to something inside of me. And so whenever I'm looking to shift any kind of relationship, before I try to shift that partnership externally, I look at what I can shift inside myself and that will either change the dynamic of the relationship or it will make me more clear and more healthy in how I want to communicate what's going on in that partnership to the other person.
0: I love it. So, and I love, you know, like you said, starting internally, then looking at what's going on externally. I'm curious though, because I mean, a lot of us have heard that before, right? And we're like, yeah, I get it. But I don't think a lot of us do. Like, mm-hmm. how, how do you do that? How do you figure that? What's? How do you figure out what that thing is inside?
1: Well, this is where where I again the lone wolf process. I think we need partnerships in our growth and our healing. Uh, a big part of my how is I've had incredible spiritual teachers, coaches, healers, even friends who've really held that space for me so that I can look inside. So a lot of times I think we need a partner and a guide to to do that, and then. It's sort of like, you know, if you're in a foreign country and a local shows you around and gives you directions, once you get your bearings and your sense of direction, you can find your way around yourself. But when you first get there to a foreign land, you kind of need someone to show you the ropes. I mean, you could do it all on your own, but it's just going to take a lot longer and be a lot harder. So I think that's an important first step. Find a, find a partner to guide you Mm. through really looking at healing your relationship with yourself and increasing your self awareness. And then once you have that roadmap and get your bearings and have a better sense of direction when it comes to your own internal navigation system, then you can guide yourself a little bit better. But I think finding that ally, that partner to be a guide is a pivotal first step.
0: Yeah, that's that's really great advice because it's it's incredibly hard to do on our own.
1: It's incredible, and we're not supposed to. We live in an, an interdependent world, and, you know, I have self-help books. I have courses. You know, I have a lot of resources, and I, I love that we can self-study, you know, as as people on the path, but I think to supplement our self-study, we also need, you know, those people. It's a difference between, you know, never having a teacher in your life and learning all on your own, which, you know, it can work to some degree, but when you have a teacher, when you have a guide, there's just a different perspective that can come in. And, and the way I like to think of it with my clients, or people that I work with in retreats or however I work with people, is we all have this internal, in, in, internal, think of it like as an internal cave, right? Where all the answers are written on the wall. You know, the writing's all on the wall. And a lot of times we just need a teacher or a guide to come in with a light or a lantern so that we can actually find it, so we can see the writing on the wall. And that, that doesn't mean we're weak and that doesn't mean, you know, there's anything wrong with us that we can't figure it all out on our own. This is why we live in an interdependent world. And this is why we're all at kind of different points in our path and different points in our con- consciousness. There's, there's people on the path who are a little farther along than you, doesn't make them better, but they've experienced more, they've learned more lessons, they've integrated more awareness and they can be helpful.
0: Absolutely. And I loved your example there of that the cave with the answers written on the wall. Um, mm-hmm. Because it made me think when, when I was in uh, college, I had an internship at Disney World. And yes, I'm a proud graduate of Disney University. Amazing. And we had this test. Like in 24 hours, they tell us everything we need to know about Disney, including like characters and all this stuff. And they go, okay, you got a test. And we're all like, what? There's a test? Like I don't get my job? Uh-huh. What's going on? And it's literally stuff like name the seven dwarfs. And the guy's up there, you know, leading this, and he's like, look around you. The answers are around you. They literally had the answers on the wall. Wow. Because they want you to know this. Yes. This isn't like we want to prove you don't. We want you to know. So if somebody asks, you know this. Exactly. And that's how it is for us, right? We we, we want to know. This is there for a reason. Totally. Our our
1: inner wisdom, our soul, our higher consciousness, the universe, God, all those things want to us to know they want us to find the answers like we're not here to suffer needlessly we're really not mm-hmm. as humans we learn through contrast so often what I call expectation hangovers are there to redirect us to wake us up to create breakthrough moments but we're really not here to suffer unnecessarily and I think the I'm on my own I have to do it all on my own kind of thinking causes a lot of unnecessary suffering
0: Absolutely. And I think the truth is all suffering is unnecessary.
1: Yeah, I think that some of it is useful because it can be, you know, I don't really have people come to me for coaching and they say, Oh, my life's wonderful. I just want to chat. I just want to make it better. (laughs) They come because they're, they're suffering in some way. And so often that, that discomfort is, is a necessary wake up call. I think we're still living in a time of human consciousness where often we need a little suffering to wake us up. So I do think it still serves a purpose, but it, it doesn't it doesn't have to be prolonged. It's not necessary that we continue to suffer.
0: Exactly, and that, that was my point is, it, it serves its purpose, but it doesn't mean you need to stay there.
1: Correct, yep.
0: Even if everybody around you is. Yeah,
1: exactly, no, a lot of people are addicted <laughs> to suffering. Oh yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of addiction to suffering. I myself, have had to look at that inside myself with how I've been addicted to suffering and how having a problem on some unconscious level is what I think gets me love or makes me fit in better or, mm -hmm. you know, there's always a payoff to it too. So as much as we're like, Oh my gosh, no, I never want to suffer. There's a payoff, you know, there's a payoff in terms of, yeah, it opens an opportunity to learn, but there can also be those sneaky payoffs of, you know, it's how you stay connected to your family or it's how you get attention or it's your scapegoat for why you haven't done what you really want to do. I mean, we, we have to look at the payoffs of these things as well.
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Lemme ask you this then Christine because one of the things our, our listeners love about this show is our our guests are so generous in sharing their own, you know, personal experiences in partnership and what I'd like to have you share with us is a time in your life when well maybe you kind of tripped up in a partnership and just share with us, you know, what were you doing, what did you trip on and what did you learn from that experience that has helped you move forward.
1: Well, um my last book, Expectation Hangover, was inspired by my divorce that I got at 31 years old. So that's that's a good short story to share. Yeah. Um. So I, you know, I I mentioned I was dumped by fiance six months before my wedding in my mid 20s, and then um, gosh, short like not probably six months after that, I met the man that I'd end up marrying. So very quickly met someone within under two years, we were married. And I really believed, all right, like I'm done, like, you know, found my person. And the whole reason the the breakup with the ex-fiance happened is so I could meet this person. But then I really, I got deeper into personal growth. I came off antidepressants and I really was starting to wake up on a level that I hadn't really woken up before. And I was really starting to value different kinds of things. I was also becoming a lot more emotionally available. I was very in my head for most of my life because that's where I felt safe. Didn't feel safe to be in my body. Didn't really feel safe to be in my heart because as a kid, those were very vulnerable areas and those are places I got hurt. So I just was like, oh, let's just live neck up. So I attracted a wonderful man. I have nothing negative to say about my ex-husband, but he was also very comfortable neck up. And so as I started to get in the rest of my body and I I wanted him to, too. And so one of the biggest trips I made was attempting to change him. (laughs) like attempting to wake him up to get him to do the work to get him to be as committed to personal growth as I was and quite honestly he was happy and content with where he was and instead of really focusing on me and really focusing on being the change I want to see which is my favorite quote I thought let me try to change this other person so that it's easier for me and we ended up just kind of growing apart, heading in different directions, different value systems. I I thought that I'd be happier with someone else, someone that was more emotionally available. We separated for a while and then I got really scared and I'm like, oh, what am I doing? Tried to get back. But by then he had just been worn down <laughs> by my back and forth and wanting him to change and dragging him to personal development thing after counseling session And we ended up going our separate ways very amicably. We kind of both got to the point where we realized we were what I call journeymates. So I believe we have all different kinds of soulmates. A journeymate is one of them. And it's someone that we have uh, like a specific contract with to learn certain things. But it has an expiration date and it doesn't have to be dramatic or awful or anything like that. You just realize you've gone as far as you could with another person in terms of the learning. And, you know, the other thing about our marriage is that we were with each other during very pivotal times when it came to matters with our parents. Um, I was I was similar to his mom in a lot of ways, and I helped him through something with his mother that I think only I could have helped him with. And he was very similar to my dad in a lot of ways, and he helped me with something with my father that um, I don't think anyone else could have at the time. So I believe that was part of our contract as well. And then when those issues resolved with our with our parents, that was another. Th- time the relationship started to just kind of come closer to its expiration date. Um, So, so many lessons in learning in that. And one of the biggest ones that I had to deal with was feeling like I failed. You know, I really believed in marriage. I really judged myself, especially as a coach, especially as someone who had two books out, one of them talking about how, you know, I met my soulmate after my wedding was called off. I felt like a hypocrite and I felt really, really, really ashamed. And, um, so, coming to terms with my own vulnerability, um, really looking at what I defined as a failure and then choosing to really milk that divorce for all it's worth. And I, I don't mean like alimony or anything like that. I really mean like that it wasn't just about the divorce, right? It was about every other time I felt, Like I failed, I felt like I didn't measure up. I felt like something I planned didn't go according to plan. I felt like someone else let me down, or I let them down, or I wasn't enough. I mean, it was rich with learning opportunities and healing opportunities. So it really catalyzed me to go on a deep, deep, deep um, journey of becoming a great partner to myself. You know, one of the beliefs I discovered as i was going through my divorce was i projected a lot of my security especially my financial security onto men you know that was a model i saw growing up most men in my family were the financial providers and so i was very very scared of what that would look like to financially support myself and i also came up against the belief that if you're you know a female and you're not with a man then you're not chosen right something's wrong with you and so these are just a couple of the examples of the beliefs that i had to really dissect um, and heal and create new beliefs and, and form a deeper relationship with my own sense of security, my own sense of safety, of choosing myself. You know, everything that I projected on on a man or on a husband, I had to learn how to be that kind of partner to myself. And looking back, that was like the hardest but best time of my life. And I honestly think that if I had not gone through that divorce, I don't think that I would be the kind of partner that I am to myself today, nor would I be in the kind of partnership I'm in now with my current fiance.
0: Yeah, that was uh, clearly (laughs) you said earlier that you thought that, you know, relationships have been your biggest teacher. And I think we just got a very clear window on that.
1: Yeah, I hope that wasn't too long winded. But that was the story. (laughs) Well, no, you just
0: condensed a book into like four minutes. That's pretty impressive. Let's be honest. Great. So that's super cool and I think a lot of people can relate to a lot of what you shared especially the failure part Mm
1: -hmm.
0: because there are there's so many ideas that you know that's your identity that's what makes you valuable and I'm curious like if we turn this around what what would you say is a time when you know I guess I'd call it like a proud moment in partnership a time when you went you know what that was amazing and what happened wouldn't have happened without being in partnership mmm
1: well, I would say my, my current relationship, um, is, is a, is an example of that. Um, we have a, we had a very intense coming together. Um, it required him moving, leaving his country. <laughs> we even had a, a two month relationship over WhatsApp and FaceTime before we even met physically. Um, and so it, there's been a lot of, um, intense moment that I could have like been like, this is too much. This is too scary. This is too hard. And I could have backed out, but because of my commitment to healthy partnership with myself and everything that I've learned about communication, masculine, feminine dynamics, vulnerability, um, holding space for your partner's childhood wounds without being their coach, like everything that I've really studied and integrated over the past, gosh, eight years, I I feel like now I'm getting to put into play. I feel like I was an athlete for years and years and years and I finally got to go to the Olympics. And so I'm proud now that everything that I was learning and integrating and healing within myself is now like at the Olympics and I'm seeing, I'm seeing it work and it feels, it feels amazing.
0: Yeah. You know, I love what you've said a couple times now about being a partner with yourself. And I think we miss that a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, we think partner is somebody else. Right. But if we haven't partnered with being our best selves and owning and honoring who we are and the value we bring to the world, we don't have a whole lot to bring to a partnership.
1: Well, except for a lot of expectations. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, the more we are looking for someone else to fulfill us the higher the degree of expectations. And, and that's another thing I'm proud of in my current relationship. I do not expect Stephanos to be everything to me. I don't put that on him. And he doesn't put that on me because we know that we can't be. Mm-hmm. And so I have very, I would say, I don't want to say realistic expectations because I don't know what realistic means. <laughs> I would say I have healthy expectations. Yeah. And the tools to communicate. So we 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 create the distinction between expectations and agreements. Mm -hmm. And when we create agreements with our partner, then we're not expecting them to be mind reader. We're not projecting a whole lot of expectations on them. Um, And we're just you know taking responsibility for our fifty percent of the relationship, taking one hundred percent responsibility for our fifty percent. And being a you know a good partner to ourselves doesn't mean our relationship with ourselves is perfect. My inner critic still comes up. I'm so hard on myself sometimes. I mean, I still, you know, but I would really give myself an A plus for my effort and intention. I'm the kind of partner I am to myself. And I, you know, especially in the time that I was single and I was very single, like, like none single, like very single. Um, I I had a lot of time to f- learn how to fulfill my needs. And it also deepened my partnership with spirit and the divine. And that, that to me is the ultimate partnership and the ultimate place of fulfillment. And when our, our connection to our higher power, whatever that is, is strong, and then our connection to ourself is strong, the way we show up in partnership is so different.
0: 100%. 100%. Yeah. And I like that distinction you made between expectations and agreements, Mm -hmm. it's funny because I I typically say it's like, do you want to build your relationship on facts or fiction?
1: Right. Because
0: there's going to be something (laughs) you're either going to have made up the story that they think this, or you're going to have actually heard it come out of their mouth. So true. And a lot of us are afraid to hear what they're going to say. So we don't ask and we just make up their own answers. And pretty soon we start to believe that they actually said it. Yep. And I've, I've asked women so many times, I'll say, well, did he actually say this? Like the words came out of his mouth and they're like, I actually don't know now.
1: Yeah. Well, we do, we do a sneaky thing. Yeah. Um, and I see this with so many of my clients and friends. We, we really collect evidence against our partner.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, again, like that's just an external projection of our own self-criticism. And the more we can really like collect evidence on how our partner is showing up for us in beautiful ways and really feed that, Especially if we're talking about heterosexual female-to-male relationships. You know, I have learned so much that the more I acknowledge my partner, affirm him, thank him from an authentic place, not from a manipulative, well, if I affirm him more, Mm. he'll take up the trash out more. It's it's (laughs) not from that place. But it's really from, it feels way better when I'm looking at all the amazing things he is doing. Is he perfect? Nope. Does he mess up? Yep. Am I perfect? Nope. (laughs) Do I mess up? Yep. Yep. But when I'm really looking at all the things that are beautiful about him and our relationship, and the same goes for me, when I'm looking at all the things in my life that I love and all the things I really appreciate about myself, life is just a lot more fun and a lot easier. And there's, a, there's way fewer arguments. And I think that we often try to, and I did this in my marriage, and this was one thing I learned, like we often try to create intimacy through adversity, like we try to create intimacy or wake our partner up emotionally by picking and picking and picking and judging and being upset. And we're just trying to get a feeling, right? But we're just doing it it, it It's like, you know, trying to take a boat to New York from l a. Like you could get there, but it'd be way easier to just to fly across the country than to take a boat all the way around the world. You know? So mm-hmm. it's like, that that kind of looking for emotional connection and looking for intimacy, don't try to do that with upset. And people might go, Well, I'm I would never do that. Like why would I look for intimacy by picking apart my partner and complaining about what's wrong? It's not a very conscious thing. It's an unconscious thing of like trying to get someone's attention and trying to light a fire into it. What I would Encourage you to do is create more connection, to create more love, to create more affirmation, to create more acknowledgement. And this goes for any relationship, not just a romantic relationship. And then the other person is naturally going to start to feel more safe. And from that point, you can start to speak more vulnerably and speak about deepest longings and deepest wishes and connections. And this is another thing I've noticed in my relationship. If I have something I want to talk to him about, That's a little vulnerable or a little tender or if he did something that hurt me or upset me a little bit If I come with blame and defensiveness and pointing the finger at him not going to go very well But if I come tender with my heart open and say, you know I'm kind of nervous to talk to you about this because usually I am but this is how I'm feeling and And I share from that vulnerable intimate place it, It creates so much more connection and love than when we're blaming or pointing the finger at someone
0: Absolutely 100% hundred percent. Well, Christine, we are getting to the end of the show and I call this bring it all home. So we're going to step away from the stories here for a minute. And I'm going to ask you to leave our listeners with just some little takeaways that they can they can put into action immediately. And where I'd love to start is ask you, what would you say for you personally has been the best partnership or relationship advice you've ever received?
1: Uh, really like what we've been talking about, um, be the most, be the ideal partner to myself
0: nice.
1: and then see that reflected in my
0: partnership. Awesome. So we've also talked about your book, which is fantastic. And I'm sure it's already on everybody's book list. Mm-hmm. I'm curious though, cause you said, you know, you did a lot of research, you've done a lot of study for yourself. What's the, the book or the resource that you would recommend to our listeners about partnership and, and why that particular one?
1: Well, I really like the work of both Allison Armstrong and David Data. Um, David Data's book *Intimate Communion* talks about the different stages of relationship and the different stages of masculine, and feminine. Um, and Alison Armstrong speaks a lot just about masculine and feminine brains and and the the way we express. Um, again, some of it, some of it, I find I think we've evolved beyond, and some of it can be a little general, but more of it is is super helpful. Um, So I would recommend either one of those resources.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, like I said, we're we're running out of time. It's been amazing. I love everything you've been sharing with us. Can you do us a favor? Would you let our listeners know how they can contact you and learn more about what you do?
1: Sure. Uh, Well, I would say my favorite way to connect with people is to have you join me on my podcast. So it's called Over and On With It, and I coach people live on the air. And these are people I've never talked to before. It's like a call and advice radio show, but it's a podcast. And you get to listen to me blend spiritual psychology and life coaching and and also just my own intuition to coach people through a problem they're having in about 20 to 30 minutes. And we do a lot of deep work on that show. And I always explain what I did after the show. So you can catch that over and on With It. And then, you know what? I also have a free gift. Can I give your listeners a gift?
0: Well, of course.
1: Okay. So I have a, it's actually two two gifts. You get a um, an ebook, 32 days to uplevel your mind and uplift your heart. Just short stories or tidbits that you can read in the morning. They only take a minute or like max three minutes, just to start to shift your perspective on things. And because I learn and teach a lot through story. And then the other thing is my intuitive decision making process. And this is one of the fa- my most favorite techniques I teach. I teach you how to become a more intuitive decision maker. So if anyone ever struggles with decision or you want to dive deeper into your intuition, this process is so practical and so so kinesthetic, but also woo-woo and intuitive. So it blends kind of the practical and mystical. And it's really easy but incredibly powerful. So you get both of those things. All you need to do is just text uh, my name, Christine, C-H-R-E-S-T-I-N-E, to 444-999 and you get all those freebies.
0: Wow, that is awesome. And for everybody who's going, what was the number, what was the number? (laughs) Don't worry, we will have this on her show page. It'll be very easy, so you can go click on that and get right to her uh, with great ease. Just go to speakingofpartnership.com, type in Christine, and you'll go straight to her show page and see all the links there. Cool. No sweat. Well, Christine, this has been absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much for sharing so much with us. And again, thank you for being on the show.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having
0: me. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. Be sure you catch the bonus stories from our guests on Follow Your Yes Friday. It's easy to do. Just go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher or iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else, either in person or on the web. Have a great day. And remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.